Animals Voice podcast, presented by the Ontario SPCA, with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. Here's the host of Animals Voice, Jamie West. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the podcast on OSPCA Radio. Great show on the way. Don't forget to text OSPCA to 45678 to make a $5 donation to the Ontario SPCA. Later, we'll introduce a guest who will bring us the ins and outs of the Ontario SPCA volunteer program. We'll also hear from a guest who will give us a better understanding of the animal care system within Ontario SPCA branches. But first, it's the Animal's Voice News. It's another milestone for animal welfare. The Ontario SPCA recently celebrated the third anniversary of its second high-volume spay-neuter clinic in Barrie. Mirroring the successful Newmarket Clinic, which opened in February of 2009, the second service is solely dedicated to spaying and neutering pets. The program is designed to help end pet overpopulation in Ontario. Close to 13,000 animals have been spayed and neutered in the Barrie facility since the clinic's inception. Well, have you met your match? Having a pet can be one of life's greatest rewards. We know that, right? If you're thinking of adopting, make sure you meet your match and find the perfect companion. Whether you're looking for undying loyalty or a pal to jog beside, you can ensure your next furry friend complements your lifestyle. Visit the Ontario SPCA's Meet Your Match website before you set out to meet your next best friend. In the adoption spotlight this month, the story of faith. Faith came to the Ontario SPCA as a result of a removal. When she was eligible for adoption, Faith was transferred to the SD&G branch to find her perfect home. Many people looked at her, but Faith was very shy, and finally, a very nice family, who happened to be relatives of one of the branch's committee members, met Faith and fell in love with her. Faith went to her new home just two weeks ago, and everything is working out fine. And that does it for this edition of the Animal's Voice News. Lots more information you can use coming up on the Animal's Voice podcast on OSPCA Radio. The Ontario SPCA is made up of 50 SPCA and Humane Society communities across the province. Check out our website, ontariospca.ca, for a complete list of communities and how you can support the great work they do on behalf of the animals we all love. There's a lot that goes into the care of animals within the walls of Ontario SPCA branches. Most people have very little understanding of how the animal care system actually works. Joining me to bring better understanding is Tanya Furman. She's the Director of Animal Welfare Operations at the Ontario SPCA. Tanya, welcome to the Animals Voice podcast. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been with the OSPCA and uh, what roles you've had during your career? I sure can. I've, um, I've been involved in animal welfare for about 21 years, and uh, during that time I've had a, a wide variety of roles, everything from branch manager to an inspector to a regional manager, and of course where I'm currently sitting as the director of animal welfare and operations. Fantastic. Can you tell us what an animal care plan is? Sure. Essentially what happens is every single animal that comes into our care, uh, there is an intake process, and part of that That's actually the beginning of their animal care plan. And based on the findings from their intake examination and plan, um, their their whole plan is formulated from there, which will tell us exactly what path we're going to take with that animal, whether it's 
behavior modification or uh, medical needs or potentially just a vaccine and deworming and straight to adoption. On average, how many animals within the shelter arrive healthy and requiring little medical care? To be honest, I would say it's as low as 20 to 25 percent. There's a much larger number that come to us in need of care, um, and it varies from uh, you know, minimal care to severe medical needs. Right. Tell us about what happens when an animal comes through the doors at the Ontario SPCA. What's the process and how do you determine the animal care plan for those animals? Well, as I mentioned uh, earlier, there is an intake process and that's the very first step. And during that time, we do a physical assessment of the animal and examination to, de- to determine any immediate medical needs as well as Uh, their body condition and a number of other factors and from there uh, we then would go through with the vaccine process and deworming grooming etc and that's how it's at that point we determine what the next step is for that critter how was this animal care program actually created well it was created with a number of us it takes a a large number of people at the table to, to put their heads together and decide what the best way for us to manage animals within our system and by doing that, um, we spent some time, uh, you know, some long days at, at several meetings and came up with a plan. And uh, we've tweaked it as we go. It's a living plan. It's a living document. And we continually change it depending on our needs. Can this plan change for an animal while staying at the shelter? Oh, the plan can absolutely change. It can change at a moment's notice. If we notice a behavioral issue, for example, and this is not the appropriate environment, we may have to just as an example, send them right out to a foster home. So yes, the plans can change. What are the Ontario SPCA policies for staff to animal ratio? How many staff members does it take to care for the animals? And how how did you come up with this decision? Well, it's more like staff hours. Um, There are some statistics that have been put out by uh, many different groups and organizations in the U.S. in particular. And each animal requires 15 minutes per animal per day. And in order to uh, use that formula, it it tends to be about um, one person could take care of approximately seven animals. What type of training do the Ontario SPCA staff receive and what requirements do uh, new staff members have to have to be on staff? Well, there's a variety of different training available. One of the things we're just about to launch is our online modules. So in other words, people won't our new staff won't have the ability to even interact with the animals until they've covered a few modules online, and that's for safety for them and for our animals. And from there, um, we have an orientation program, and we also have a mentoring program. So when people begin their new jobs, they get to spend a, a few days up to a week or two, depending on what their job is, with somebody who's more experienced and follow them and learn from them. How do you prepare an animal for adoption? Uh, and the, the secondary question is, why aren't animals immediately placed up for adoption if they come through the doors in healthy condition? Preparing them for adoption, is, is, um, it, it varies from animal to animal. So in mm-hmm. other words, some might need some uh, extensive grooming work, for example, while others need dental work, and we right. may have to wait till we can actually get an appointment. So. Um, if they came in healthy and we had proof of vaccine, we still want to do some temperament stuff with them and just make sure that we're, we're going to place them in the appropriate homes. Can you tell us what the process is for the SAFER test and why this is so important, the SAFER test? It's interesting. Absolutely. And actually, I prefer not to refer to it as a test if we can because it's, it sort of implies there's a pass or fail. It's really used by our shelters as a tool 
to help us to understand the level of aggression that you might see from a particular animal, animal, and therefore any behavior modification needs that we have the ability to work with and we can help the new pet owners also work with. What types of programs do you have to help get the animals up for adoption faster? Well, the Meet Your Match, which is um, it's an adoption program we've been running for several years now. Um, it's essentially what happens is traditionally you used to come into a facility, you'd fill out a, a very lengthy application, which implies, again, pass or fail. Now you walk into our facilities, you simply fill out a, a survey, which finds out what the family's needs are, and then we match you with a, a personality or ality of an animal, depending on what, uh, whether you're looking for a cat or a dog. We all know that shelters are always full of animals, cats in particular. What does the Ontario SPCA do to help ease the stress of overpopulation within the shelter itself? Well, within the shelter itself, every single one of our pets that leaves into the new adoptive home is spayed or neutered before they leave. And as an organization, we have two fully functional high-volume spay-neuter clinics operational, and we're working on opening others as we speak. Tanya, learned a lot from our conversation. Uh, Thanks so much for your time and the insight today. Really appreciate this. Thanks for having me. All right, take care, and we'll talk to you down the road. All the best. You too. Bye-bye. Bye now. There's Tanya Firmage, Director of Animal Welfare Operations with the Ontario SPCA. You're listening to the Animal's Voice Podcast, spelled P-A-W, don't you know, on OSPCA Radio. The Ontario SPCA is always looking for your continued support. Check out our website, ontariospca.ca, and find out how a small donation can make a huge difference in the lives of the animals we care for. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at the official Ontario SPCA page. Perhaps you've been a volunteer at one time. If so, then you know how rewarding volunteering can be. The Ontario SPCA is always welcoming new volunteers to their program. To learn more, my guest is Carol May McQuinlan, Senior Manager Volunteer Development at the Ontario SPCA. Carol, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. What what is your role at the Ontario SPCA? Jamie, I have the best role in the organization, if I do say so myself. As the Senior Manager of Volunteer Development, I get to work with people who really care about their community. It's a great honor for me. Um, As my everyday work, I guess my key focus is developing and implementing a a volunteer program for the Ontario SPCA, which will be run provincially. Um, But I also provide a lot of guidance and support to the individual branches, and probably more importantly, on the voice of volunteers and our organization. So it's my responsibility to ensure that the volunteer efforts are recognized throughout the organization. Terrific. How important are volunteers to your organization? I think I know the answer to this, but go ahead anyway. (laughs) Yeah, um, they're very important. Their generosity and their skills that they come with are um, paramount to our our facilities and our organization. Um, Without them helping the staff, I don't think we'd be able to maximize the quality and the quantity of programs that we offer. 
offer. Um, perhaps a, a, I could give an example, and a great one would be our spay-neuter clinics. We have 10 volunteers that come in every week. Without them, we would seriously not be able to operate the, the um, clinic. They come in, they help monitor the animals while they're recovering, and they also clean them and, and sort of clean the facility after. So we, we truly wouldn't be able to operate that particular facility without volunteers. Well, that is a great example. And, and what are some of the uh, other opportunities for volunteers, Carol? Mm-hmm, that's a great question. We have lots of opportunities. And what's exciting about the OSPCA is we have working with the animals and for the animals. So depending on the volunteers' skills and interests and even time commitment, we can probably accommodate um, quite a lot of time frames and interests and all those kind of things. So we have our common uh, volunteer programs, such as cleaning and dishes and laundry and those kind of things that work with the cats and the dogs. But we also have organizing barbecues, galas, tag days, being goes, adoption, reception duties, data entry, um, even to uh, one of our thrift stores. We have quite a few in the province, and I remember a couple that used to come in to the thrift store, and they've been there for 30 years. They uh, they do everything from sorting clothing to painting to pricing out um, you know objects that come in they they did have to retire 80 years old so it goes to show you you can be as young as 80 and still volunteer that's quite amazing (laughs) uh carol what are some of the myths of volunteering for an animal shelter that are out Uh, there Yes, we have we have quite a few myths, and so there's a couple actually that come to mind that I'd like to talk about. One of those, probably the first one, is people assume that they can just come in and start volunteering at one of our shelters and, and sort of start the next day. Essentially, I look at our, our animal um, branches in our, our areas as animal hospitals. So if you think of a regular hospital, there'd probably be t- quite a bit of training involved. We obviously wouldn't want people walking in and putting IVs in people right away so when it comes to our our um, branches we have to be very careful about infection controls and the medical equipment that we have and we have to be mindful of the animals needs and our needs so there is quite a bit of training and safety that the volunteers need to be aware of before they come in and volunteer and probably the next one that um, myth that we have is dog walking or surrounds dog walking what happens if people own dogs at home so they they think they could come in and walk the dogs in our branches which absolutely they can do but if you've ever tried it you'll realize that it is quite an art and there is some training required Um, often a lot of our dogs that come into the shelters don't um, don't really walk well on leashes or perhaps they've never even been exposed to walking on a leash so they're not really sure what to do when they're on one so of course they do kind of you know jumping up and running off and all kinds of weird and wonderful things so we have to be really careful when our volunteers come in that they don't um, get bit that we take those obviously very seriously and we take every precaution to try and avoid that so walking dogs again does require a little bit of training And probably the last myth that people maybe get confused on is the time commitment. I remember when I first started in volunteer management, you basically signed up for life, whatever position you found. Nowadays... That's not the case. You can come in and volunteer for us for perhaps a season if you're a snowbird, or you can come in for just one event or one day a week. It's, it's entirely up to you. So we no longer require your firstborn. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the first step uh, in somebody getting involved as a volunteer? 
we ask that our volunteers attend a volunteer information session first. This gives them a great way to really understand what we can offer to them. Then they complete an application form, and then we do some of our volunteer screening, which includes references. Sometimes we have to do background checks, police background checks on our volunteers, and that's partly <clears throat> when we're dealing with our vulnerable uh, sector being our, our youth and our youth programs. And then there's a whole bunch of training that they attend, and then they can get started. How long does the process take? The process can take anywhere from one month to four months. Again, it depends on how many people we're recruiting at one time. So we do individual interviews. And it can also depend on the type of screening that we have, because if we are requiring a police check, it can take up to four months. Can students get involved in volunteering? They certainly can. Um, we have quite a few programs for students. The only issue that we have is students um, aren't available during the day when a lot of our animal care programs are. So we tend to offer them quite a bit of our fundraising or our events that are on the weekend. It's a great way for them to get their 40 hours. Absolutely. What would a typical day look like at the shelter for a volunteer? Okay, and depending on um, what role they're in. So let's take perhaps the animal care. That seems to be our most popular. Um, they would come in and assist the, the staff with feeding the animals, which can be quite fun because, of course, they're very excited to see you when you're there with food. <laughs> they then would have to clean the cages, and then, of course, we have all the fun stuff like dishes and laundry. And then if time permits, they can then uh, groom or socialize the animals or take them for a walk, those kind of things. Sounds very nice. What advice would you give to someone thinking about getting involved? I think the first uh, uh, thing I would mention to them is to start small, don't overcommit, and be realistic about the time you can give. I would also research all of the positions and think about what it is that they would like to get out of their volunteer experience. Maybe they'd like to pad their resume or learn a new skill, or perhaps they just want to come in and meet a friend. Sure. I've heard that the volunteer program is undergoing some changes. Can you explain what they are? Certainly. So recently our organization took the time out to review every aspect of the volunteer program, which I did. Through that, we also did a lot of surveys of our volunteers and we asked them, what could we be doing more of? So from those learnings, we've changed our program slightly and a lot of the volunteers asked for more hands-on training on infection controls and animal care, but we're also going to provide more training on customer service and adoption counseling. So I think they'll find that as the program moves forward, we're going to focus a bit more on administrative and fundraising roles so we can accommodate different interests and skill sets and, and those kind of things. But finally, volunteers would also experience an increase in communication and outreach. So we're going to have much more on social media and newsletters going out to them. Well, speaking of information sharing, why are volunteers not always given information on the animals, for example, where they come from? That's a great question, Jamie. I get that often. Um, partly is what happens when it comes to the, the history of the animals. There's a simple reason we might not know it. So often we can't share information with them because we don't know it, or in some cases it can jeopardize a case that we're working on. Often the courts do take rather a long time to go through the system. So we do try to give volunteers as much safety information and as much information as they need to work with that animal. What's the number one comment or question that comes up when people find out where you work? That's a, another good one, too. I always get, I could never work with animals. I'd want to take them all home. <laughs>
Absolutely true. Yes, often there are animals that just grab your heart and that's it. You've got to take them home, which is fine. We, we do allow our volunteers to adopt as many animals as they wish. What I try to explain to people, though, is often filling up your own home with cats or dogs might be the, not the best way that you can help. And perhaps allowing, you know, when you come in to volunteer, you can volunteer and play with 80 cats, not just three or four. There must be some heartache attached with volunteering with animals. Yes, there Would you can agree? be. Yep, there there definitely is. And and even to believe it or not, sometimes the good news stories when an animal gets adopted out to a home, that can sometimes leave you kind of sad and missing that animal. So that's where we try to offer a lot of support and tools if we can because that's what happens to us as well as staff. What what keeps you motivated, Carol, to work with animals every day? I think when when a situation comes to mind, and this is when I first started working at the OSPCA five years ago, and I actually didn't have any animals or personal pets, and I was a volunteer coordinator at the time. So one of my requirements was to come into the branch when it was closed to do, um, say, committee meetings and things like that. And to be, and I'm so, somewhat embarrassed to admit this, but on, on one of the trips, one of the first times I was here after hours, I was walking through the shelter to go back to my office and it was a beautiful summer day and I noticed that all the animals were already curled up in their beds and I was quite moved by that and to be honest I'm not really sure what I was thinking because obviously they're going to be there by themselves overnight but it just didn't really sink in at the time so I remember crying all the way home but when I did get home it started me thinking about how can I help in my role to to sort of help these animals get home so it kind of made everything clearer for me the more volunteers we can have that come in and help us the more money we can make the more adoptions we can make the more the animals can go home and be where they're supposed to be so since then of course I have adopted two of my own cats so I'm getting there they're teaching me patience and love well, that's a touching story and a touching memory, uh, Carol. Uh, can't thank you enough for this. I uh, really learned a lot here today. Uh, the, the insight is terrific. Looking forward to talking to you again down the road. All the best to you and continued uh, best wishes uh, on the success of the volunteer uh, program. Thank you so much, Jamie. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. There's Carol May McQuinlan, Senior Manager, Volunteer Development at the Ontario SPCA. Thanks for being with us, and don't forget to check us out on Facebook and send your friends to the link to our website, ontariospca.ca. And thanks for texting OSPCA to 45678 and making your $5 donation. The Animal's Voice podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. For more information and news from our 50 communities, explore our website. And thank you for your kind and continued support. Remember, fix your pet. Find out how easy it is at fixyourpet.ca. It's the kindest thing you can do.